How's it going, everybody? It's Sunday, so it's time for another podcast. This week is what role should scripture play in the life of a Christian? And I just want to pray before we get started. God, I, I ask that you would use this podcast to be edifying and, and encouraging to the listeners. God, that this would be something that would stimulate and cultivate gospel-centered, Christ-exalting, spirit-empowered conversations amongst many believers, God, that what non-believers would hear this, God, that you would be high and lifted up, and they would see that they must decrease and you must increase, God, that they would repent from their sins, God, and to plant themselves into Christ the King and to be a part of his kingdom. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. All right. What role should scripture play in the life of a Christian? Um, there's going to be, uh, if you follow me on any of my social media platforms, you know that I've asked questions about what do you guys want to hear from shade and scripture this year? Um, so I'm going to be addressing a lot of different topics, but before we got into that, this was something that I'd been thinking about for the past month or so on the role that scripture should play in the life of a Christian, because I'm around Christians all the time. I, I go to a Christian school. Um, I grew up in a professing Christian household. I grew up in church. So I've been around professing believers my entire life. And there is something starkly dangerous that I've seen in the these Christians that I'm around is that a lot of people take the Bible to be an opinion. They take the Bible very lightly. Um, and it's not taken as serious as it should be. God's word is not as serious and it does not bear as it should on their on their life as God has intended it to be. So I think this is very important for the uh, this generation of of Christians, the the audience that God has given me their ear. Um, I, don't, I don't think I would do well to address topics if I didn't talk about um, the importance of scripture in our lives and what role it should play, because it should play a role and it plays a vital role in the life of the believer. So we're going to look at four different areas. We're going to look at how scripture should play an authoritative role. We're going to look at how scripture should be a, an, a source of absolute truth for the Christian. Uh, scripture should be the essential center and foundation of our theologies. And ultimately, and even more importantly, we're going to talk about this, but scripture should be the means of grace to know God. Um, and this is the, the, the means by which God has revealed himself to us. So number one. Scripture should play an authoritative role in the life of a Christian. During the Reformation, the Protestant Christians sought to stand on the five solas to distinguish themselves from the Roman Catholic Church. They were sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, solus Christus, Christ alone, soli deo gloria, glory of God alone, and sola scriptura, scripture alone, which the emblem, the picture for this, this episode is the sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. Um, this isn't saying that Christians um, only stick to scripture um, to inform themselves about Christian life. They read other books. We read other books. We look at commentaries. But what this is saying that ultimately the ultimate authority over the Christian's life is scripture alone. Hence, sola scripture. Uh, Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And scripture alone is our authority over our life. So during the Reformation, these, these Protestant Christians were fighting against the Roman Catholic Church teachings of faith plus good works. 
Christ plus the church and scripture plus tradition. And I think that in our culture today, if you just take a survey of today's believers and today's Christians, you can see that uh, we kind of have this addition uh, ideal, this addition problem as well, where you have people that say that it's faith plus my feelings, it's opinion uh, plus the scripture, it's Christ minus the parts of his deity that is displeasing to me. I think that it is very important that we hold tightly to the truth that scripture serves as the ultimate authority over our lives, meaning Christ is the head of the church and scripture, it, they are his words and they contain the testimony of his earthly ministry, death and resurrection and were inspired by the Holy Spirit through whom human authors specifically chosen by God to communicate his person to us. I think that it is very important that we stick to this, that this is something that we cling to, we hold to, and we do not shrink back from this idea that scripture is authority over our, our lives. So one major token, I believe that, and we're going to look at some Bible verses that talk about this, but one major token of an authentic Christian is going to be their imperfect, unrelenting obedience to God's word, despite their feelings, opinions, emotions, and swaying of culture. So what does this mean? This means that when I'm before the word of God and God has commanded something of me, he's demanded something of me that despite how my feelings would lead me to react to it, despite the opinions that I might have about that particular area of obedience, despite my emotions, despite what culture is saying, that I would be marked by an imperfect, unrelenting obedience to his word, despite all of these things. Uh, I think that that is a major token of an authentic Christian. Um. First John two five says, but whoever keeps his word in him, in him, truly the love of God is perfected by this. We may know that we are in him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Jesus answered him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 23. This is a quote from John MacArthur, and that's, he was asked, how do you know when someone's a, a Christian? His response is, anybody who's a Christian obeys the word of God. That's the pattern of their life. Perfect obedience? No, it's not the perfection of their life, but it is the direction of their life. So first, what role should scripture play in your life, Christian? It should play an authoritative one. Your life uh, should be marked by obedience. Again, an imperfect, unrelenting, or in the words of, of John MacArthur, the direction of your life should be that of obedience to what God has said. God says it and we obey. That should be the response of, of Christians on the things that are black and white and clear that God has commanded to us. And then in these gray area matters, Roman 14 teaches us that we have freedom based on wisdom, based on convictions, based on uh, us trying to live our lives entirely to the glory of God, the whole life to the glory of God. Number two, uh, scripture should be a source and the, the center of absolute truth. John 17, 17 in Jesus's high priestly prayer, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The Oxford Dictionary defines truth as the quality or state of being true, that which is in accordance with fact or reality and a fact or belief that is accepted as true. So absolute truth means that it is always true at all times in all places for all people. Relative truth means that it is sometimes true at some times in some places for some people. The Bible is true in that it gives us the words of the creator of the universe. There is no greater fact or reality than Yahweh, the I am. All of reality is from him and all things were created by him, through him and for him. And nothing holds together except in him. 
which you can see that in Colossians chapter one. There are so many people walking around on the earth today that believe in pluralistic religion that you can believe in Jesus and you can also believe in Allah and you can believe in Buddha and that it's okay because we're all just reaching into this spiritual world in our own way. This idea that whatever religion works for you to maintain inner peace is actually not okay because God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. He's the supreme creator, most powerful being over all Yahweh, the Lord, and he demands our affections and our our love and our devotion to him. He tells Israel that he is a jealous God, a consuming fire, meaning he does not allow his people to set their affections on anything else but him. Hence the, the first and greatest commandment. Thou shall love, thou shall place no other gods before me, or thou shall love no other gods above me. So the Bible teaches that there is one truth and that is God. Yahweh, our creator, is glorious, majestic and splendorous and beautiful in all of his goodness. And he deserves all worship, glory and honor from his creation. The rejection of this deserves his wrath. So any belief of truth or reality that comes from outside of the of the God of the Bible is sin and deserves deserves eternal punishment. Shay, what do you mean? What, what about math, science, and art? Five plus five isn't in the Bible. The makeup of cells isn't in the Bible. The beauty that is in art is not in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we can't go to a, another textbook to understand things about order and math and numbers and science and how we were made. But I would ask you, where did the order and basis for numbers come from? Where did detail and precision of the makeup of our cells come from? Where did the creative nature and ability of artists come from? So when, when I say that the belief of truth or reality that comes outside of the God of the Bible is sin is that you believe that you can go to something else in order to understand all, all that is true and how these things have been ordered. So although we might go and learn about PEMDAS or we might go and learn about the makeup of cells and we might learn about mutations in our cells, ultimately where all life comes from is the things that we take our time to study in school. They come from God. So nothing outside of the Bible can give us the foundations of our belief of truth or reality. Listen to Job 38, starting in verse four. This is God talking to him. He says, where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling brand and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here you shall and here shall you proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment from the wicked. Their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recess of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this, where is the way to the dwelling of light and where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then and the number of your days is great. 
Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hell, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? And on and on and on and on. He ends at this. Can you haunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie and wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wonder about for lack of food? So this is the Lord's answer to Job when he he asked him these questions. And so I would ask the same thing to you that, yes, you might study weather systems and you might study math problems and you might study science. But who is the one that has created an order with which we can identify by numbers? Who is the one that actually is in control of the weather systems? It is Yahweh, the Lord, our God. So not only should scripture play an authoritative role over our lives, but it should also be our source for absolute truth. We don't believe in relative truth. We don't believe that the things that God has said are real, good and true and right. We don't believe that they're just true sometimes in some places for some people. We believe that they're true at all times in all places for all people. The third thing, scripture should serve as the essential center and foundation of our theologies. Theology is the study of God or what we believe to be true about God in the simplest definition. The Bible is God telling us and communicating to us in a way that we understand in a way where we can understand who he is and what he desires of his creation. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, the Bible is to us what the telescope is to the astronomer. The scriptures do not make the truth. But they reveal it in a way in which our poor, feeble intellect, when enlightened by the Holy Spirit, is able to behold and comprehend it. The scriptures do not make the truth, but they reveal it. So if your theology does not line up with scripture, scripture is not wrong. Your theology is wrong. If you read a passage of God's judgment because of sin and because of the rejection of his love from his son, Jesus Christ, and you say there's no way that a loving God would condemn people to hell. Then it is not scripture that has projected God wrong. It is the God that you are trying to create that is wrong because scripture is, does not make truth, but it reveals it in a way that we are able to behold it and comprehend it in light by the Holy Spirit. And let me say one thing. The Holy Spirit is not a heretic. When the Holy Spirit is leading you to understanding and your flesh responds, responds and saying there's no way that that's true. It's not the Holy Spirit that's leading you astray. It's your flesh um, that's being a deceiver and trying to get you to turn from the truth. So if you read a passage of God's intimate love towards a specific people and you say there is no way that a just and righteous God would show his favor towards this said people, then again, your theology is wrong. So the theology in scripture is not there for us to use as a secondary source to our theologies when we agree. The theology in scripture is there for us to submit our theologies to with it being the sole and primary source for what we believe about God. So when scripture says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John one or that he Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, or that Jesus is our teacher or that Jesus um, is the, the lamb of God who was slain. When it makes these statements, when he says, I am living water, that I am the bread of life, that I am the gate, that I am the gatekeeper. When when Jesus makes these bold uh, ego statements about himself. Uh, it, it is we should be very careful to, to not be led by our flesh and say there's no way that God's like that. There's no way that God would do such a thing. 
Because again, this theology is not there for us to just use as a secondary source to our, our opinions and our theology, hoping that it agrees, but it's there for us to submit our theologies to. I'm constantly always uh, allowing scripture to reform and reshape what I think about God. Um, because we know that the Holy Spirit has not gotten it wrong about who he is. The third person of the Trinity, who the persons are, how, what their roles are, how they work, what God has intended, what his attributes are, what God likes, what God adores, what God smiles on, what God hates, what God condemns. This is very important for us to, to, to look at this. So not only an authoritative role, not only as absolute truth, but as an essential center and foundation of our theologies. Lastly, and definitely not least, I think one of the most important, uh, if we were to place these in hierarchy, but scripture also should serve as a role, as a means of grace to know God. Let's look at John 1, 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verses 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The word is a person and that person is Jesus. And he is the only way that we can know God. The prior three mentioned about scripture being authoritative, about uh, it being a source of absolute truth, the center of our theologies. These prior three mentioned are just tabs stretching from this central point. When we read the word, we do not just know facts. We are getting to know a person, his will, his desires, his eternal plans, his purposes for me as his creation and his desire for relationship with me. The other three are crucial for rightly knowing this person, though. If I do not submit to the king's words as the authority over my life, then it will be hard for me to get to know the king. The king has, has spoken and part of what he has asked of me in this covenant relationship is to heed and obey what he has said. If I do not believe the king's words to be always absolutely true at all places for all persons, then his reign will only extend into certain areas of my life rather than all areas of my life. A king does not rule over some of his servants at some times in some areas of his providence. A king rules overall at all times in every area of his providence. If I form this false idea of the king, then it will hinder an actual knowledge of him. A king does not leave it up to his servants to paint his image. Rather, he puts his image on display and informs them of who he is. So those are the four things. What role should scripture play? An authoritative one. Scripture should be our foundation for absolute truth. Scripture should be the center and foundation of our theologies. And scripture should be a means to know God, which again, the center, this, the rest of them are like tabs extending off, off of this. I'm going to leave you with Psalm chapter 24.
and it reads, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And that's what I ask. I ask that you would submit to the authority of, of the king's words, that you would see that what the king has stated to be true is really true and see it as absolute uh, pending on you at all places at all times, not just in some places that sometimes that you would see that what we think about the king is so important that our theologies be filtered through the word and that ultimately we would see scripture as a means to know the king because the king of glory wants to come in the one strong and mighty mighty in battle. So who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. I pray that this would be encouraging and edifying to you.